That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, available on Amazon and everywhere. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lou Perez Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Perez, and uh, my apologies for the way I sound right now. I don't know if this is allergies or if I have a cold or maybe something worse, which we might talk about on this show. Um, I'm so happy, so delighted to bring to you uh, two gentlemen working on a project that I think is so important. Um, I'm going to bring them into the stream right now. Uh, first, I want to introduce you to Hawk Jensen. He is the director and one of the producers for the documentary Follow the Science, Lockdowns Go Viral. And we are also joined with the narrator, Clifton Duncan. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me live on a on a Tuesday night. And uh, my apologies to you also for sounding like this. Um, Clifton is a uh, is a theater guy. He's a wonderful singer, performer. So I feel like I have no right to even be speaking with this nasally voice in your presence. So my apologies, sir. Well, we, we can't can't hear the nasalness. We do, do you have a, a, some extra chest resonance though? Sound which is good. Oh, okay. Well, I've never heard that before. That sounds cool. You can just you also can just scream until you go hoarse and kind of pull a demi more. That's always very popular. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're taking back, me back to my. Take- uh, my my youth with my, yeah yeah well gi jane too was sort of like in the news cycle about a year ago kind of brought it back but uh um but yeah good times but yeah but hack thanks for having us here and um it's appreciate it thanks for the it's nice to i mean we should also mention that you did a little bit of writing on uh, follow the science lockdown you know so you know I, I i wanted to if there was any way for me to i wanted to take as much credit for this amazing uh documentary that you put together so uh p- part of it is that there were uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the sound minds uh collective i don't know how uh sure how yeah put it in terms of the origin of this yeah well so gosh two years ago so i mean we're, we just recently celebrated what the three-year anniversary of the pandemic give or take at around march april and um and two years ago um <clears throat> right around the march april time of 2021 i was approached by a number of filmmakers in the hollywood scene uh who felt that the these here pandemics and the COVID-19 craze uh, didn't really add up. Our reasonable sense uh, didn't, it didn't really add up for there. And our, our, even our artistic spidey sense, it didn't add up. And so we, we had a discussion and they said, you know, we really like to do a film. We're storytellers and we feel there's a story to be told here in terms of there was an alternative way of thinking during the pandemic. Um, and so they asked me to direct it. And uh, so, but we were, were concerned about cancel culture. I mean, if, people recall like i mean it was really it felt like if you said anything like they would come for you they'd come for your work your livelihood your ability to put food on the table and if you had children that's a big deal and if you're you know you know a starving artist kind of <laughs> that's i mean i passed the starving artist phase but if you're still just trying to like make things happen you really could feel that you know your, your ability to work was under threat so we filmed uh we formed a group called the sound mind creative group uh we made it a mouthful on purpose um and um and we felt that it was a good opportunity for people to work of all stripes across all the different uh, Hollywood grade uh, industries, feature film, television, um, you know, on down to the YouTuber world. Um, that that way people could work with us without fear of retribution and losing their typical clientele within the business. So we so the Soundmind Greater Group was formed. Um, I eventually went public because I, I tend to be a dissident filmmaker anyway and felt that um, I could uh, better lead out in public. Uh, but uh, but we're all very 
highly talented folks and it was an incredible group that came together and ended up being a worldwide network. We worked with people in South Africa and the Philippines and, and all over the United States, um, Canada. And, uh, and it really came together to make a high quality project that is called, we decided to sail right into the controversy and named it follow the science. We decided to do that. We decided to do that early because at the time it was the, it was the ad nauseum, uh, talking point for so many of the politicians saying, follow the science and all of us could hear it. This is not a, this wasn't a, they weren't meaning it, what the words typically would mean. There was some sort of double speak going on there in an Orwellian sense, follow, follow the science, follow, be, comply, follow the narrative, do what you're told. There was, there was a sense that there was something wrong there. So, so, Per that conversation I had, we two years later we 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 worked on it and worked on it. It was supposed to be originally just one documentary, expanded into a whole docu series. And what we just released, we actually had the worldwide premiere um, in uh, in Orlando, Florida, on April nineteenth, and we're looking towards a, a, a wide public release online come June. Was the pilot episode, the first episode, episode one, which is subtitled uh, "Lockdowns Go Viral." So the whole series is called "Follow the Science," and that ended up being two hours long. And we're probably going to produce an additional five to seven hours of material across another basically seven to 10 episodes, all about a half hour to 45 minutes each, looking at all the topics. And the go ahead. Oh, it's going to keep going until President Biden declares the documentary finished. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Haphazardly off the cuff at some uh, convention where no one no one was ready for him to make that decree. I'm sure it'll be something very similar to that. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's it's been an incredible journey. I'm. um, uh, Cliff will probably make a few jokes about this. I'm a more relaxed person. I've been working on nothing but this film for the last two years. And to have finally shown it to our, our original sort of support base in Orlando was really thrilling, really exciting. It's 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 a serious topic, and we really get into it, and there's some very serious aspects. But we wanted to make sure you had the full emotional experience. And so there's a lot of humor in it as well, a wry sense of humor um and 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 that really opens people because if you give them all the emotions then they can really maybe perhaps think change their mind we have a whole kind of uh, uh we have a whole story arc of, a, of an epiphany of what it is to change your mind during something like a pandemic but the point being bringing it all the way back to you came in and one of our punch-up writers we're like oh we need some little more humor on this and you you got some pretty good lines that you wrote up for us which then the wry sense of humor to clifton duncan absolutely nailed um and yeah uh, yeah what i want to see that happen yeah Oh well, well, no, that that's great to hear, and um, yeah, and from what I've seen of the of the doc, Clifton, you really um, perfect casting, uh, but not only not only in performance, but I think biographically too. Um, uh, could you like sort of bring uh, uh, everyone up to speed on sort of like how you got involved in the controversy of well this project and you know COVID in general? Yeah, well, well, it was all uh, it was all an accident, and uh, you know I was in New York and I was an up and coming actor. I was uh, beginning to distinguish myself um, as a singing actor, actually, in, in New York, which is a very big market, a hard thing to do um, in that market. And, uh, you know, I was breaking into television. So things were going um, very well. And then the world shut down in 2020. And at first it's, it's kind of funny because uh, I was following the science, but in the ironic sense that we mean it uh, for this documentary. Um, and, you know, I was one of the few people in the city who was masking and gloving. It was like me, and some middle-aged Dominican women uh, on, on the train, um, you know, originally. And, um, but over time, uh, you know, a few things happened for me. One was, you know, things really didn't seem to make sense. You know, I remember our numbers were kind of going down and, you know, I saw some weird kind of reporting happening and I, be- I began to become alarmed about how the psychology 
of the city formerly known as New York was changing. And um, then there was a, uh, I just had this sort of bleeding heart artist sensitive um, epiphany of, you know, everything that we're being asked to do to mitigate the spread of this virus um, seems to be completely antithetical to living any sort of joyful, rich, fulfilling life. Um, you know, we're covering our faces. We're being told to isolate and stay away from each other. Um, I mean, in New York, the gyms were closed, but the liquor stores were still open, which I thought was really interesting. And side note, I, you know, I spoke to someone recently who said that, um, that uh, you know, churches were closed, but, I, but um, AA meetings were considered non-essential while the liquor stores were still open. I thought that was very, very evil. Um, and um, then I fled to Atlanta, Georgia, and it was like night and day where, as in Central Park, you had people that were masking outside, double masking, triple masking, um, all, you know, wearing all kinds of weird spacesuits. Um, in Atlanta, you know, at Piedmont Park in Atlanta, people were, you know, they're having barbecues and playing cards and sharing beers and uh, other kinds of substances, which I want to mention for your listeners. And, um, you know, the gyms were open, they were mask optional. Um, it was really much closer to normal than in um, New York. And, um, and you know, at the same time, the unrest from 2020 was was kind of popping off. And I met some of the right people. They put me on their shows. I, I became very outspoken about what was happening then, but also just like saying, you know, against lockdowns and all the other uh, COVID mitigation measure, measures. I said, you know, we can't do this forever. And it became obvious to me, you know, the consequences of closing schools down, the consequences of, uh, or the economic ramifications of locking down. Um, and uh, even then the ignorance of, uh, or dismissal of immunity um, provided by previous infections. So there are all these things that were bubbling up. And then in the entertainment industry, um, what early 2021 thereabouts, um, the they began to mandate the vaccines. And it was very strange because there, there was never any question from our unions, for instance, um, you know, you'd get these emails and surveys and they would just they would just presume that everyone was going to take this vaccine. And for me, I recovered from covid in late 2020. So by that point, I was like, well, why would I need to get a a quote unquote vaccine for something that I've already recovered from? It doesn't make any sense to me. And um, but of course, if you said any of that, you were a granny killer, a far right anti-vaxxer. You know, I was like, oh, really? You know, going to go to the gym and take your vitamins. Wow. What a far right concept. Um, and, um, you know, it, but nobody else in the industry, you know, was really speaking up about it. And, um, just over time, it was kind of strange. I just began building this following by saying what I really think about these things. And it turns out a lot of people agree uh, with me. And, um, I guess I got put on the radar of sound mind creative group and they reached out to me and, um, said, you know, we're, we're doing this documentary and uh, we do want to be a part of it. I read it. I, I liked the approach. I thought it was very accessible, very sort of, um, I guess I'll say family friendly. And um, they they really took a methodical approach to applying the scientific method in a way that I think was very clearly communicated. And, and you kind of come to the, the conclusion that um, this method wasn't really followed <laughs> in terms of um, imposing all these measures. And, um, you know, having seen the documentary now, uh, just now seen it, um, boy, I got to tell you, it really it really does pack a punch. And um, they really get into the nitty gritty and the details and they don't get bogged down. There's, there's a lot of information, but it's communicated very clearly and, and highly effectively um, and in a very exciting and dynamic way. And the, the crescendo that it builds to, the emotional climax that it builds to, I think, really uh, 
serves to highlight the extreme amount of damage that's been done. And uh, what I've done in the film, at least, you know, my sort of journey is coming in in a very sort of confident way saying, well, you know, lockdown, we have to lock down or do nothing. And um, my mind changes over time. And uh, it's, it's very clearly communicated. And uh, it's just a very powerful, powerful film. I, I remember early on when um, I think hockey guys were just were just like interviewing so many people, like from so many different like walks of life. And I remember I sat down uh, and talked to you guys. And it was the first time that I had ever sort of looked back sort of, uh, you know, month by month of the journey that I went through during COVID. And I think the subject matter is interesting for multiple reasons. But one of those reasons is because everybody went through it in, mm. in some, you know, in some capacity, whether it's the people who, you know, unfortunately not like, you know, Clifton and me who were able to get out of the city. You have those people who were stuck in the cities. You have the people who were able to you know, breathe freely in Atlanta. For me, it was uh, driving out around 45 minutes to an hour to New Jersey and like going to the beach and like, like, oh my God, this is, wait, I'm, I'm in normal country now compared to, uh, to where I was. So no matter where you were on it, whether you were paranoid, whether you were skeptic, whether you were, you know, totally freaked out or totally, you know, uh, in a, in a very odd blissful state of like, of the world being, <laughs> At a, at a, you know, stagnated, we all live through it. And when, when it comes to, you know, presenting that, like, how do you go about presenting, you know, like a major event that's really ongoing, you know, yeah, how, do you, well, how do you go about telling that story? Yeah, well, it's something we had to think about quite a bit. I mean, it was uh, we we sat down and was like, my God, this thing's huge. I mean, to your point, this was the first true worldwide experience. I mean, I, I said this uh, throughout my entire sort of fundraising phase and development phase and scripting phase and production and post-production was that everywhere you've ever been and everyone you've ever met also had to deal with the lockdowns. I mean, it, tangentially COVID-19, but 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 that one-two punch of this virus, this new virus and uh, and um and the, and this this draconian measure of, of lockdowns that came up that became a word that we all heard and suddenly it was we were following it. I mean, this idea of flattening the curve and not overwhelming the hospitals. I mean, there was this there were all these discrete moments that sort of introduced it, but a certain moment, but then that a concept was introduced and all of our lives changed forever. And we knew that we needed to capture this real time. I mean, right now, you know, here we are about to come out with it and we see this sea change where people are already trying to like back off from what they said at the time and the retrospective or the sorry, the uh, the revisionist history starting. And that was specifically what we wanted to push back against. We wanted to make yeah, someone actually said, Oh, you're making a, a retrospective like a hind oh, hindsight must be 2020. It's like, no, no, no. We made it during the pandemic. Right. We, we, we are capturing the history real time. We could feel and see the cogs of history turning all around us. And so we wanted to capture that. And we also understood that the nature of everything that was happening was so fast, was so rapid paced. Things kept happening. It was about every two to three weeks, there'd be some new, it was like a bad B, uh, like a sci fi show where it's like, oh, we need the dilithium crystals this week. And oh, we need this. What, what's, what's the, what's the, uh, the particle of the week that we need. It was sort of this constant um, uh, influx of things to be terrified of, or or at least to dominate your frontal lobe, your frontal psyche. So you could only think about that. You couldn't think about anything else. And and uh, and then once that was used up, it was dropped, never to be spoken of again, and moved on to the next sort of 
ginned up fear for the population to, to worry about. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little more aggressive with my language now that the film's done because I've been very diplomatic about it. But it's been now that people can see it much more clearly. It's just been it's been pretty, pretty awful. This sort of nonstop narrative designed to not let you think about anything else. And what we get into in, in the show, I mean, the, 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 the pilot itself, what we did was we looked very specifically at about January 2020 to about October 2020. We wanted to look at the, the, that whole development of what we all experienced. I mean, Clifton mentioned the, the scientific method, but we, we, we tried to link, we tried to really think through the hero's journey in, in, the, in the sort of the, fe- the Hollywood feature film parlance and the scientific journey and try and weave a story that brings both that sort of knowledge base as well as the emotional base i mean when you go on a, an emotional journey when you go on the hero's journey you're going on a series of emotional arcs and thresholds and we wanted to sort of bring those together and see if we could go back and decipher what we what we experienced as, as well as talk to people real time like we were asking people what was the first time you heard of covid what was the first time you realized that this this thing called covid and lockdowns was going to affect your life like like for real like oh i have to deal with this and things i'm used to are, are going away and then the process of accepting that and then the process of trying to understand what's going on around you and like oh well it's for the good of the the country i mean this idea of um not overwhelming the 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 hospitals well okay flattening the curve oh okay well it's kind of like rolling up your sleeve and giving blood in the in the in the aftermath of some horrible u.s catastrophe which was a very part of like the american way psych sensibility and so everyone's like "Oh, oh okay and it didn't and then this mission drift started and there was like well we have to get the cases down and there was never a true explanation there was never a moment where it felt like there was a proper rational conversation and then it was all mixed up in the weird political um division that we've been experiencing these last few years so like the average American could not figure out what's going on and was basically allowed to just let their fear uh, dominate. And we just wanted to methodically go through, be very thorough. This happened and then this happened and this happened. And then understanding it specifically from a couple of different perspectives. We have two heavyweights in terms of the scientific perspective. One is Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, a, a renowned um, um, public health and, and infectious disease um, scientist and professor out of Stanford, as well as Dr. David Katz, who's a renowned uh, uh, chronic disease specialist who hailed originally out of Yale. And um, and between the two of them, they actually give a really good understanding of what the scientific community was understanding was going on. They, too, were kind of confused by the narrative because they started to look at it as scientists and looking at it like, well, what are we going to do? And bringing in different information from different places. And they started to feel this on high voice saying, you must not do the science. You must do what you're told. Well, who is this? Oh, well, that's science inc that's that's the scientists on high that's the public policy people telling you what to do and you know ostensibly uh, embodied in, in dr fauci um giving and 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 coming after them not as scientists or challenging their arguments but going after them in a type of propaganda attack that they had never before seen and so dr david katz and Bhattacharya have this sort of slow realization over the course of it. it's like yeah it was we, we knew there were problems with the profession of science and being a scientist and like, there's always a little bit of corruption, but they started to really see that there's a big, there was a big disconnect between what science is supposed to be and what science was being presented. So we have that perspective and over that, that time period. And then we have sort of Clifton kind of representing the, um, so the everyman character who sort of walks us through the process of um, seeing it from the human interest level, like the devastation that people are experiencing at a human level and trying to understand it 
But Clifton sort of has all these questions. He's the curious human trying to figure out what's going on. And we bring in this other character, Nick Hudson, who is the chairman of this group called Pandata, a South African uh, group that, of, of basically dissident scientists that started to step up and push back and advise on the, on the film. Um, you know, they, they start looking at it from like a, a basic understanding, like a science communication level, like understanding what J- Dr. Pradacharya and Dr. Katz are talking about it and, and digesting it, as well as Clifton's understanding of what we were told by Science Inc. at the time. So they start to kind of decode that. And then finally, we have a third perspective, sort of the mainstream narrative perspective from this really um, great investigative journalist named Sydney Watson, who's found great popularity as a YouTuber. And she has a conversation. <laughs> well, she she sort of reports the, the COVID news now, kind of looking at it real time, what was going on so we could sort of track the archival footage. But then she also has a conversation with this wonderful woman named Jen Reisman, a child psychologist who was very much... <laughs> Uh, Covidian and 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 sort of a mask enforcer and all this stuff, doing what she was told. Like, if we don't do what we're told, there's going to be bodies in the street. If you're not complying, why are you killing my child? You know, she had she was very much in that world, and yet she worked with children and could see over time the severe damages of lockdowns and what that was doing. And she was starting to have that cognitive dissonance of like, wait, I believe this, but I see this. What am I supposed to do? And at a certain point, she clicks over and realizes that perhaps this isn't the best course of action. Perhaps she should start questioning it. And she went through the process of changing her mind. So so obviously, we've made this very complex story with all these storylines interweaving these. So we have three perspectives to try and help people understand what they just went through. If you want to navigate, you need three points of reference. So we have these three um, perspectives to try and help us as a people get grounded in our own culture as to what just happened. So that's, that's, that, that's sort of the, the, the fabric of what we've created and been working on so hard these last two years. Yeah. And, and Clifton from uh, something that you mentioned, you know, earlier, it's sort of, uh, you know, being asked to not to do all these things that bring us joy. Um, and that's sort of, and that's something that, that I found was just, you know, this, this cloud of joylessness uh, that, um, you know, fell over every, uh, my community and, you know, and everywhere, <laughs> everywhere that I was. And um, I'm just wondering, like, from, like, from your perspective, like, what, what the hell was that about? Because something that, that I, like, throughout the whole thing, and like, I, I uh, my first son was born on March 26, 2020. So right at the height, we didn't know what was going on. And I was paranoid for like the next, you know, few months. But anytime that like some good news came along, I was really happy to hear good news. Like I was really happy to learn, oh, this doesn't, it doesn't affect babies really. You know, like you don't have to worry about that. It's like, great. I got one of those. I don't have to worry about my (laughs) son getting sick. Fantastic. But it seemed like there were just like a whole, just so many people that no good news was good. It was, it was, you know, and maybe you could, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I actually have a friend, a former friend who, you know, we were talking about all the stuff that was going on and, um, and I actually, I mean, I was sending her articles, you know, like um, I think one was the, the Johnny Anitas uh, Wall Street Journal op-ed um, where he found that, you know, it's probably not as bad as we're being told. Another one was about natural immunity, the studies that were being done, the data that was coming out um, as far as the, the, the strength and robustness of natural immunity. And she literally texted me. She said, uh, I don't want any good news right now um, because of, you know, because of racial justice, basically. And at that point, you know, I mean, what do you do with these people? I mean, it was so shocking to me to watch people 
um, just completely abandon any sense of um, what gives life meaning. Um, for they were willing to abandon it for any for a protracted period of time, for an indefinite period. Some people are still doing it today, and um, you know I, I lost a lot of. Um, respect for people, uh, particularly in the uh, performing arts community in New York, the arts community. And, uh, you know, people have pushed back on me about this, uh, pushed back on me about this before. But, you know, when you think of New York City, what's one of the first things that you think of? It's Broadway. You know, people go, people come from all over the world to be in these shows, to see these shows. We have some of the best museums in the world, some of the best um, arts institutions in the world. And um, they all shut down and they all refused to open. And I said to myself, well, are you telling me that you on on Broadway are less essential than liquor stores and weed dispensaries? It's really, you know, and but people were so um, they were so paralyzed with fright. And on top of that, you're talking about New Yorkers, right? I mean, New Yorkers, they pride themselves on being, you know, smarter than everybody else, being these intellectuals. They pride themselves on being tough. And they exhibited none of those qualities whatsoever throughout the course of, um, especially throughout 2020. And again, still to this day, even now. And I just want to go back a little bit because, uh, you know, uh, on, on what Hawk said um, about people now that they're trying to revise, you know, history. One of the one of the most effective things that the that the documentary does is that it, it actually is sort of the first act is a sort of real time recreation. It, it kind of takes you back. It plunges you back into um, the the panic and the fear that was uh, that was stoked at that time. As a matter of fact, the person I was sitting next to uh, during the screening, she said it was hard for her to watch because she felt like she was reliving it all over again. And that level of of terror, um, you know, it's really it's really quite shameful. You know, that, that's why I can't call him Dr. Fauci anymore because real doctors actually help people. And, um, you know, the, the, these people, um, I, I don't know if people will ever recover from, from this. And I think another aspect to it as well, especially in blue America, AKA the blue cult, <laughs> you know, you have these, it became really partisan for a, a very strange reason. I think a lot of this came, uh, a lot of the reaction to it, particularly in blue America, came became about ousting Donald Trump from office, which is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, th- this is why they, they cling they clung to uh, and you, you could see their their contradictions in some of their policy decisions, for instance, the vaccine mandates. And I'd make this point over and over and over again. This is an industry you have to understand the entertainment industry um, in the wake of the death of George Floyd. They went full on anti-racist. I mean, like Ibram X. Kendi, Robin DiAngelo, anti-racist. And their whole thing was um, basically coddling black people and telling them that they're going to be okay and and um, and just trying to include them in everything. And yet, at the same time, a, a year later, they imposed these vaccine mandates. Well, guess what, guys? Um, black Americans are the least vaccinated demographic, followed by Latinos. And they, A, they just, they don't, they don't care about any of that. But in their minds, it's a bunch of, you know, MAGA hat wearing chuds, I guess, that are the only people who are refusing the vaccine. It's like, wait a minute, guys, black people vote over 90 percent Democrat. Like you, the, the math just doesn't add up. And, um, you know, or bodily autonomy is another one. I mean, li- literally every principle that these, you know, progressive New Yorkers, these progressive artists or whatever claim to um, claim to stand by, claim to hold, they, they violated each and every one of them. And um, that's something that you just you you can't really you can't really unsee. And for my 
for my money, you know, I just, I don't think I'll ever trust these people again, to be honest with you. Well, I think it's really, it's really tough too to have a, a reckoning or I don't know, uh, uh, nationwide or worldwide forgiveness, um, for a number of reasons. One, it's, uh, the people who are, who were wrong are, do not want to admit that they were wrong or, you know, you know, or they're like, well, you know, at the time, you know, uh, science evolves and blah, 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 you know, and all that. And then on the other, and then on the other hand, you have the people who were, uh, who were wronged by those who were quote unquote, right. Um, I, I myself, I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times in Brooklyn, I lived in Brooklyn Heights, how many times I would be out with my wife and our baby and our, in a stroller walking around our neighborhood without a mask on and people would stop and like basically try to start a fight with me for not having my mask on. And it's like, you know, asking me to forgive those people, that's a really, really tough, uh, tough ask. I mean, we often talk about hear about, you know, this potential civil war, you know, and I mean, basically that's where I saw the civil war lines. It's like, you know, uh, you know, mask holes with masks on. Uh, well, you you know, know, if, if, if I can jump in, hey, yeah. I'm laughing because I heard Brooklyn. It was really bad in Brooklyn. I have a few, you know, a few friends who are out there. They were like, these people are in Prospect Park are freaking insane. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, bad is bad enough as that was, you know, and people again, they got mad at me. But I, I did a, a a tweet where I don't know if you know who Sur- uh, Siraj Hashmi is, but he put me on. Um, he, you know, he has this thing on Twitter where he has a list every week of people oh, who yeah, have yeah, their yeah. phones taken away. And uh, he put me on the list for this tweet. But I stand by it. I said, I said, unvaccinated is the new nigger. And, uh, you know, people clap back and they're like, well, it's a choice and yada, yada, yada. I was like, that's not the point. You know, the, the, the point is the metaphor, because that is how you're treating these people. You have people like Noam Chomsky saying that you should be put in, you know, essentially isolated from society. And, you know, if you if you starve, you starve. You have people right. like George Takai talking about how you should be denied. And Jimmy Kimmel saying you should be denied medical care. Don Lemon, you know, may he, may his career rest in peace, um, <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, well, if you don't. You know, you don't, you don't get the vaccine. You can't go to church. You can't go to work. Don't get the vaccine. You you know, you can't, uh, uh, you know, basically go outside. So you have people who, in addition to wanting to attack you for not wanting not wanting to wear a mask, especially outside. It's like, come on, guys, what that about? Um, you had people who really saw no problem with creating a lower caste of society, with creating a two tiered society where they just said these unmentionables, these untouchables should should be shunted you know hidden into a basement somewhere and treated you know like uh, again like like niggers in the 30s that's 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 i stand by that uh, by that comparison and um that's yeah go ahead go ahead hawk well, well, I, was I, say, mean, well, well I was just saying because I, I remember seeing all those pamphlets around that you know the unvaccinated are trying to take our white women and you know it's, it's like, <laughs> 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 Sorry, but no, it's ahead. like you know, you you can't you can't come in this restaurant. You can't come right. in, the, you know, in, in this museum. Yeah. You can't you can't go to school. I mean, it was unbelievable. Do unbelievable. you have your papers? You may not be you, you can be stopped and asked for your papers, and you can't enter anything anywhere in Manhattan to unless you have your papers. I mean, there were so many old world controlling mechanisms that came into play. It was shocking, and I think I mean I, I think your observations are very astute, Clifton, as always. And I mean, but the fact that shaming and shunning became the norm. I mean, I thought those were old world things that you know went away 
two centuries ago in terms of, I mean, beyond the, uh, um, you know, the, the caddy girls at high school. And, and yet suddenly it was a thing. I, I remember in the early days when um, I was in Santa Barbara at the time and, and it was that f- first couple of weeks of the flat and the curve and people were like, well, the one thing you can do is you can go out for a run. You know, like everything, the, the beaches are closed because someone very famously, the, the cops actually busted a guy in a kayak and in Santa Barbara, that was one of those national news things, but you could, you could go up in the Hills and you could go for uh, a run. And I, I, I recognized it for what it was from the beginning. I'll just say that I, I refused to wear a mask. I was like, this is just one giant act uh, practice of compliance that this is, this is coming from a certain space. And I'll explain why I felt that way in a minute. But I just remember when I was running up the Hill and people would see me coming without a mask. And they would like, ah, here comes an unmasked person, unclean. And they would stop and they would turn their backs. Yeah, there was like a group of five of them. And they would turn their backs on the trail. So I had to run along their backs, you know, because because that was what they because because that turn is going to save them from whatever it is. They felt some particulates in the air from me breathing momentarily outdoors with them with the broad day- daylight. But that turning of the shoulder, that'll 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 fix me and, and help them. And I remember being like, oh, wow, this is this is real old world stuff coming, coming, bubbling back up. Um, um, but I mean, I, I, I've, the reason I, you know, do the moniker of a dissident filmmaker was I started making films about, uh, you sort of looking at communism from the Soviet era and current socialist regimes as to what exactly happened there that, that led to the deaths of hundreds of millions and, and, and is verboten to speak about in Hollywood. Why, why can't you talk about that? Like who says, why is that a thing? And I just can't help it. I'm, I'm such a natural contrarian. I went into it and I spent the last seven years doing this, this show called the witness project in which I interviewed dissidents, people who stood up in the face of this type of oppression, either to jump the wall in like you know, Berlin, or 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 drag themselves six thousand miles out of North Korea to get 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 around to South Korea on crutches. I mean, these incredible people, individuals who made choices, one foot in front of another to get out of there. And so I learned a lot about what it is to be a oppressed person in an authoritarian society that uses fear and a bunch of thugs to keep you under control. And they kind of warned me, well, here are the, here are the signs. This is what it looks for. You, this is kind of how the government acts and how you start to feel because they're trying to collapse your individuality internally. And the second this thing called COVID-19 came along or the SARS-CoV-2 SARS-CoV and, and, and it wasn't this sort of immediate sort of, hey, everyone, we're going to calm down. We're going to figure this out. We'll get through it together. Let's get the American sort of uh, entrepreneurial or, or um, uh, resilience kind of in play and let's get everyone working on it and we'll get the Manhattan Project or the Camp David, bring in all the best minds. It just became this sort of on high sort of dear leader coming from the uh, uh, health policy folks, the public health policy folks, telling everyone, this is what's going on. We're in control. Do what you're told. Don't ask questions. And I thought, my God, this is it. This is sort of like, this is the big attempt from government to get into our lives and rip out our individuality, uh, our ability to make decisions for ourselves. And they were, and they're going to use every trick in the book and to pit us against each other. And it just felt like, I mean, just everything we've just described humorously was there, you know, we, because that's us seeing it like, wow, they're really trying to put everyone against each other. And they're, because it split everyone right down the middle, families, church groups, theater groups, political groups. You couldn't decide, you couldn't guess who was going to kind of fall for it and those who would 
become skeptical of it. And it was a fascinating thing to watch, but it really put my ire on high alert. And, you know, I couldn't do, I'm a storyteller. So I just, I fought back by making this project and, you know, sort of and made great friends and allies. And those who also was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. And there's been sort of a, a grand awakening of a new individual who sees this for what it is, which I think is a great thing. And I'm optimistic about it, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to know how, how are we going to forgive and forget these people who really wanted us to, die because we felt differently than uh than complying with what they so almost like lemmings ran into told being told what to do it was just a shocking thing to behold yeah i i um the one thing you would you would see a lot is like uh, oh you just want to go get your hair cut you know like you want <laughs> you, you want you want grandmothers to die because you want to get a haircut but meanwhile, mm. meanwhile those same people were allowing grandmothers to die alone right. Yeah, right. And amazing. So, yeah. It and like even like recently, I, I saw somebody on on Twitter make the haircut thing. It's like, oh well, that's what you might remember, but I remember like attending a memorial service for my friend's mother who died, and we had to do it all via Zoom. You know, so I'm like in my car with my wife with her phone. You know, uh, basically, you know, uh, uh, watching my friend give a eulogy uh, for his mother because we couldn't be together. For that like i remember that shit you know and everything, I, and, and everything that they believe i mean it literally is either backwards or it's just projection i mean you know right. they, they 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 make these flippant remarks about oh you just want to get a haircut meanwhile Lori lightfoot and nancy pelosi right. and gretchen whitmer are going to the salon and gavin newsom is going out hanging out with his buddies maskless at the french laundry nobody cares about these people or with you know ron DeSantis was accused over and over again of cooking the books and hiding the bodies that that that's why their numbers were so low in Florida. Meanwhile, our disgraced former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo literally is fudging the numbers. His own attorney general released a 75 page report that, that, that revealed that's exactly what he was doing. And he was hiding the body, you know, metaphorically speaking, um, fudging the numbers for political purposes. So again, I mean, their, their entire reality is just inside out. And yet they came, you know, there's still people today who say, well, <laughs> I hope you don't get put on a ventilator. It's like, dude, ventilators went out of style in 2020. Like, what are you talking about right, right now? They don't know anything, but they think they know everything because everything that they that they think they know comes from, you know, these authoritative sources, which which have been spreading misinformation for the the entirety of the pandemic. It's unbelievable. I, I remember seeing, uh, well, well, yeah, a, a few things. One, uh, talking about people who want you dead, like when Joe Rogan said that he had COVID. Like he really did his enemies a disservice by not only living, but, but kicking it in like a, in like a weekend, you know, like there were people who wanted him to die because wouldn't that be amazing if you get, you know, if, if this, uh, if this, uh, this guy who is willing to have, uh, you know, skeptics onto his podcast, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if he actually dropped dead from this and they were so angry when it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, it really. Yeah, the, 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 it's, it, the neuroses really took over. I mean, it's sort of just everyone. Uh, the uh, Zuby, um, you know, rapper, author, podcaster. Uh, he he makes the he he's a featured voice in the documentary, and you know he makes one point that like I mean, when essential versus non-essential came along, and he was like, you know, any any job that puts food on the table for your family is essential period you know and 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 you're, you're talking about the sort of two class system that was sort of created overnight and 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 you're saying like you, people cheering for the 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 demise death or 
or or or severe ailment to anyone who might be speaking up against it. Meanwhile, I mean, Jay Bhattacharya makes this wonderful point. I mean, sad, terrible point that seems to have eluded all the the caring masses of the left. Hundreds of millions of people went into food insecurity almost overnight, which resulted in, in, in starving conditions for tens of millions of children and hundreds of thousands of children indeed starved to death in the third world about this. They never even entered the narrative. These, these were people that were just basically thrown out in the trash politically inconvenient, narratively inconvenient, and we just pretend they don't exist. And these are and these are the people who felt they were doing the right thing. It's just it, they are so off base. It's 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 just hard to. Yeah, I mean, Clifton always gets me with that one. It's like, how are we ever going to forgive? It's a diff. It's it's going to be a tall. It's going to be a tough climb up that mountain. Um, that said, um, and that's for me personally. But with Fall the Science, the show that we've created, what we did want to do and what we have done is we want to create a platform that allows for that conversation to happen. It was the dialogue that was lost. It was our ability to converse, to ask questions, and so this, that's why we have so many characters. Where everyone, we have a series of very um, in-depth conversations that a demonstrates to people what conversations look and sound like because that seems to be a dying art form. But also by the end, um, the main host, which is Cliff. Clifton, um, Sydney Watson, and Nick Hudson have a conversation or they have a moment where they sort of share what they've learned and bring that to the table to understand it, because that was the type of conversation we never had. I mean, I think the only way we're going to get back to a unified people or some sort of unified American culture is through conversation and is through dialogue. And that's what we feel follow the science lockdowns go viral presents and begins that conversation. We want to do it over the arc of about 10 episodes and, you know, establish the trust and, 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 and admiration for Clifton and his fellow co-hosts. So like, here are the people to do it, but it's, it's, I do think that we're going to have to have a lot of conversations and learn and, and bring everyone's story to bear. I mean, everybody learned something from this. As we said at the beginning of this, everyone lived through this. Everyone has something to add. And if we establish people have value in that rather than them projecting their fears, like they're so terrified they admit they're wrong. They'd rather project their fear, demonize us and never listen to anyone. And we got to, I, I know some of them, we, some are irreconcilable. We can't get to them, but there's so many traditional liberals who are, who have been sort of usur- lost their voice to the hard left. that I think we can probably reach a lot of people who, who would otherwise don't know what to say, but have their own inner suspicion as to what's been going on. And luckily, I think a lot of people are waking up, but we feel this series will help bring more people into the fold of sort of that moderate, curious, human, reasonable, cultural uh, zeitgeist that I think, you know, can be civil. And I hope it will be in the future. Yeah. And and just so um, for those of you watching, uh, I just lost uh, my camera. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't leave. I didn't leave the conversation uh, uh, at all. Um, you know, something I want to talk talk about because I don't know if I if I've been demonetized yet for this for this video or it will be, but maybe we can get there. But um, you know, talking about conversation and wanting to use, you know, the series to to foster conversation. Uh, it was really tough to have a conversation when at least one side of it was censored, uh, and I don't know if it was revealed in Twitter files. 15 or 25 or I don't know where we are right now, but what did you guys make of, you know, the, the revelations that, you know, uh, there was, you know, blatant censorship of uh, the, of a lot of the ideas that, that are expressed in this documentary. Well, yeah, well, specifically we get into the great Barrington declaration, which was Jay Bhattacharya and his colleagues attempt to 
you know, ring the alarm bell and say, hey, we've got the wrong policy here. Let's try and get a conversation going and, and rectify this. And they had sort of a almost a naive sense of like, oh, OK, this is us doing what good scientists do. And this, the, the scientists on high will listen to this and we'll we'll redirect it. And yeah, it's it's a uh, and yet it turns out all the cliches are true <laughs> and and everything we suspected was going on. And the, 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 the corruption went all the way to the top. And and it was deeper than anyone had any had at all realized. And it was what we suspected. But as it started coming out and kept coming out and kept coming out that this had nothing to do with science had everything to do with posturing politics and money um, that we were, you know, it's 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 it was it was it's an odd thing to be on the pulse of one of the worst things you could imagine happening. Um, so it's, it was, it was good to see the revelations come out. It was good to get the confirmation, but we have a lot of work to do to try and dis- disentangle ourselves from this, this mess that our uh, public health policies put us into, uh, policy, public policy health leaders put us into. Uh, Cl- Clifton, um, I first came across you, know, you and your work, uh, through Twitter, um, which I think, uh, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people, maybe they, they first encountered you there. Um, did you experience any of that stuff, any of that censorship, like, you know, firsthand? Um, you know, not that I'm really aware of, honestly. Uh, I, but I also was, um, you know, I, I was sort of a bit more uh, crafty and um, I won't say I won't say tactful, but, you know, I in, in some ways I had my own bit of, of cowardice in a way because I. You know, I, I I wouldn't touch too much on on hot button issues, but I also am am very much a smart ass. So the way that I approached things was that I I, I really tried to uh, to highlight the absurdity of what was going on and sort of make snide um um like you know snide innuendos and these kinds of things. You know, so I wasn't like you know retweeting or big boosting uh, you know like uh, Robert Malone or or Peter McCullough all the time, but uh, but uh, but I'd make you know, I'd, I'd make some sort of subtle references to, um, you know, uh, like adverse events and, and um, you know, vaccine enhanced, um, um, whatchamacallit, um, ADE, uh, the, the, the acronym escapes me now, but, um, but I, I, I don't, I don't feel like I was really suppressed all that much, um, to be honest with you, but at the same time, um, I, I don't think I'm not, I'm that important <laughs> in, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. So, you know, I, I, people could always, and I always, I did the, I also did the, um, the John Stewart thing where I could always just hide behind just a dumb actor, you know, like, what do you care? Of course, I'm not an expert. Why are you listening to me? Why would anyone listen to anything that I have to say? So I could always hide behind that, uh, behind that as well. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel like I got censored that much, but it is interesting. Um, you know, I mean, I, I consider Jay a friend and to, to see, to see this guy, <laughs> Who, who, when you talk to him and when you meet him, he's like the warmest, you know, one of the smartest, um, you know, wise people you could ever meet. And uh, the way that he has been uh, maligned and his character's been assassinated, you know, by these charlatans like, like you know, Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci is just really, is really unbelievable. And to think that the, you know, I call it the reality cartel uh you know the big tech they they curate the information that we see that they distort the reality that we experience and to see that um they and the government had a hand in um in in suppressing that that information you know people really need to 
um, take a step back about these sort of structures that are in place that enable that that sort of thing to 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 happen. Because I think for me, one of the scariest, most frightening aspects of all of this is that um, you know, and I think I made a tweet about this: is that you know, the, the, whatever happens, if even if things go back to normal tomorrow, the precedent has been set, and the, the powers that be. And you don't have to really assign any sort of grand conspiracy to it. It's just people who are in charge, you know, at, at Google or at, you know, well, formerly at Twitter, but you're in the government, um, you know, they can do all this again. And they can manufacture a crisis. They can make sure any message that they want to. They can propagandize the population to get them afraid of anything that they want. And, um, and they can censor you and control your ability to talk about it. And that's probably the most um, alarming thing for me right now. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm, one thing that I'm really interested in is just the litany of things that, you know, the quote unquote experts got wrong. Um, so uh, like Clifton, something that you brought up was uh, when it came time to decide on, on getting a vaccine, you said, well, I already had it. So I have natural immunity. And I remember it was a pretty uh, a high profile uh, case or um, uh, a, a NBA player. I think it was uh, Kyrie Irving, um, who was a young man. You think he's like 21 or 22. And so many people came down on him because he didn't want to get vaccinated. And he the way that he explained it, he said, well, I've had it already. And I'm like 22. And I'm a professional athlete, you know, in peak you know, uh, you know, uh, he's at in peak form. He's like, and I've decided that, you know, whatever the risks are, I'd rather not take those risks. And the people who came after him, like this guy's not a doctor. He's not a scientist. What an idiot only to, you know, to come back how, you know, where we are today, where it's like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, natural immunity. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, well, I think it's a, another example is a, a basketball player named, Jason Isaacs, who, uh, you know, he gave a very eloquent um, explanation of why he's decided not to, uh, you know, get the get the jab. And I remember uh, there's this black, um, quote unquote, intellectual named Mark Lamont Hill, who oh, did yeah, this snarky quote. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite person um, did this snarky uh, quote tweet and said, you know, th this I guess this sounds smart uh, or this sounds Something like, you know, this sounds dumb to people who actually know things. Like, it was so snarky and snide. Right. And I was like, everything he said it, it is true. But on top of that, I'm not saying that this is, this is the cause. But um, as I understand it, he he got the jab and then he uh, suffered some heart issues oh, wow. <laughs> subsequently. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if he feels the same way about it now. But, you know, I mean, Kyrie is kind of easy to dismiss because some of his other beliefs have kind of come out. People have been like, oh, wow, I don't know about that. But. With yeah, Jason, I mean, when he was uh, like, Isaac's he was like, I know the you know, Jews want me to really put well this. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there was any. Yeah, uh, I was like, I yeah, I don't, I don't know, about, I don't know about that, Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Kyrie. Okay, you're, you're, you're the actual part of the tribe. Okay, I get it. Okay, let's just, uh, let's just. Move on. Um, no, it was, it, it was wild. Well, you know, something too. I, 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 uh, I know somebody who, um, she was vaccinated, and uh, she was very hesitant to uh to put out there that um after she got vaccinated her her menstrual cycle changed significantly mm -hmm. right yeah, a lot about that yeah and she's uh you know she's a she's a democrat she also has like a pretty big audience 
And when she put that info out, she, I think she she sort of said, like, I'm not telling you not to get it, not to get the vaccine. I don't want you to think that I'm saying that there's something wrong with the vaccine. Blah, blah, blah. I just want you to know that it has had it's affected me in this way. And it's like, man, like we were really at a point where people just couldn't be open and honest and be like, hey, like I, I, I got vaccinated. Right. Um, fortunately, I, I didn't even get sick. I was, you know, I was fine. Right. But I know other people who, man, they got really fucked up. You know, it's like they were, they, you know, they had a terrible response to it. I want to know about that, you know, just just so I, you know, I, uh, you know, just so I can uh, I could be knowledgeable and educated on, on what's uh, on what's happening. Well, it's it's it's, it's sort of like a, people are absolutely resistant to being forced to critically think. I mean, I think I think we lost I think critical thinking has been one of the great losses to humanity in the last 20 years. I think the Internet came along, started thinking for people, if you will, and they lost the ability to critical think critically think and anything that forces them to actually possibly let the cog in their brain click forward once is terrifying to them or some such thing. And, and it's like, no, I don't want to know. And if you're trying to tell me I'm going after you, the messenger, because the messenger is wrong. And it's like this, I mean, and that's what I mean about old world. I mean, it's just like they, it's the, and the shaming and shunning, they, they do not want to face their own capacity to think and they do not want to activate it. And they want to be told what to do and they want to comply. And, 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 you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, they're given the, you know, saving grandma saving saving everybody they have this sort of this 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 noble this noble lie has been taught told them and, you know and given we have i mean there there was a virus there were vulnerable people the elderly and those with comorbidities i mean focused protection that's all that jay Bhattacharya was asking for what we need to be doing is focusing protection on the elderly and those with comorbidities they're the ones who are actually um, vulnerable, and we, but we, what we don't want to do is lock down the entire society because we know that has way worse effects. But that was what was suppressed, and to say anything differently, it was a, it was a, just a bizarre thing to watch. People in absolute denial. I mean, you know, with um, the, the concept of mass formation coming along and understanding is that um, Demet, uh, Matthias. Uh, was a Matthias uh, Desmet um, when he came when he had his book kind of he, he exploded I was like oh I recognize what's going on there's sort of this mass formation of people starting to think very similarly based on the same fear and the same pattern anyone who thinks outside of that is somehow an unbeliever or not part of it and it was just fascinating to watch but also terrifying because this was our the fabric of our society falling apart all around us in the name of this fear or this this constant fear mongering so yeah I mean it's just been, it's been a rough go for everybody on this planet. I mean, it's, it's, and, and certainly in this country and I, and I do think conversation, I mean, thank goodness for the podcasting and, and, and alternative meeting uh, 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 ways to meet and communicate and get the word out. And, and then, you know, and then the idea that, you know, my, I and my colleagues are actually able to make a Hollywood grade uh, pr production of a very finely tuned, um, uh, docu-series is going to be multiple episodes featuring we're like, hey, Clifton Duncan, supremely talented actor. He got drummed out of Broadway sitting there in Georgia. We're like, hey, man, you want to uh, you want to ask a few questions and uh, and uh, push back a little bit as a as a as a storyteller and, and an artist? And he was like, yeah, sounds great. It's like fantastic. And th that was a conversation we had over and over and over again with many artists, many producers many filmmakers and said, why don't we try and tell a story that can lead some of these people or at least the predominance 
of 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 our of our um, fellow citizens back to some sort of sense of, of sanity so we can talk about this stuff and actually maybe consider the evidence maybe consider the facts maybe consider the anecdotal um insight of people who are on the ground and having experiences that don't add up to what what we're being told from on high and um so it's you know it's been a real honor to to make this project and to work with Clifton and everybody involved because i you know we wanted to make sure i mean I mean, and when we started this, we didn't know how how bad we'd be pushed back against, but we feel like we're going to hit the market just right when we release it in June. But I mean, we, we at the very least, we we wanted to have our entry into the historical record that there was there were those of us who thought differently at the time, and we were capable of capturing it at a high high level, so that you know we want this 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 film to be germane to the to the public discussion for you know for for, for decades to come because we did think differently and and. It's turning out that we were pretty much on, on. We were right. We were we were on point. We could see what was happening. We were above target. We were on the pulse, and uh, that's what the show represents. And uh, I hope uh, Lou, I hope you enjoy seeing it when you see it. And uh, yeah, it's coming out in June, so it's it's this it's been a journey because that's what it's. We're trying to reflect what we all went through. Yeah. No. I um, I really hope um, I hope nothing but great things for this. Um, I guess what what I fear is sort of uh, the mentality that we have now, like as a society where it's sort of like, oh, okay, that was, okay, I'm moving on. There's something else I got, I got to move on, you know, it's sort of like similar to, uh, you know, what happened over those years of, you know, Clifton, you brought it up where it was like, okay, we got this uh, global pandemic uh, and now we need to end systemic racism. So everyone take to the streets. And also we got to get Trump out of here. And, and, you know, it's sort of like, but well, hold on a second. <laughs> can, we, uh, can, we, can we focus on, you know, one thing at a time, you know? Well, I mean, I don't know because, um, I mean, I, I definitely share that fear in some capacity. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I, I've blocked a few people who, you know, whenever I've mentioned uh, what happened to me, they say, you're still on that. And right. um, <laughs> it's like, well, yes, asshole, I am. Um, but at, at the same time, at least... Um, you know, I'm looking at the reaction on Twitter to people like Randy Weingarten, for instance, um, who, you know, for people who don't know, I think she's the head of the uh, the American Federation of Teachers, a teacher's union in the United States. And she was instrumental in keeping schools closed. As a matter of fact, if, from, if I recall correctly, um, the unions were working, you know, under the table with the CDC um, to keep the schools closed. I mean, you know, there, there's reporting out there about that. And uh, <laughs> it's hilarious because, uh, you know, Going back to the beginning of the conversation, the sort of revisionism that um, that's taking place with these people. I mean, Randy, she keeps tweeting out about, uh, you know, I didn't try to get schools closed and, and, and Republicans are lying. But every one of her tweets get, gets ratioed. By the way, I mean, she always turns off her comments. Um, yeah. So you can't really reply directly to her. But every one of her tweets is getting ratioed, you know, via quote tweets. And now there's this great feature on Twitter called Community Notes. And so people can, like, actually fact check these tweets in real time. So she keeps trying to say, I didn't say this, I didn't do this, but but the community notes and keep coming back and saying, no, bitch, you lying. And then, you know, push back against people like Anthony Fauci, I feel like is uh, is also growing. Uh, people can see, you know, I mean, just just he, he himself, his um, 
he can't even he can't even keep his lies straight. I mean, he, he's such a bad liar, similar to Bill Gates, where he's talking about, uh, you know, I, I was misled, I think, by this. I'm like, so wait, I thought you are the science. So did you mislead yourself? What are you talking about? And I think the I think people are beginning to push back more. I think maybe the fog is, is lifting a little bit. Um, you see mainstream news outlets are finally reporting on things like natural immunity. They're finally reporting on there was an article about um, about uh, uh, tinnitus. Uh, after um, after COVID vaccination, and uh, the, you know they're trying to say like, oh well, we don't know if it, it's caused by that, but you know they're talking more openly about side effects. They're talking more openly about um, the impacts of school closures right now. Um, in some ways, they're still lying. I mean, there was an article the other day in the New York Times where they said that uh, you know black unemployment in among New Yorkers, um, it, it, the the the, un- the employment gap between um, you know blacks and whites in New York is. Um, is greater than it's been in you know however many years, and um, I'm like, well, what they fail to mention is that again they imposed these mandates which threw people out of work and kept them from work, and um, and I see people talking about that uh, and saying, well, why aren't you talking about these mandates that you imposed? So you know there are, I think there is a a sort of groundswell and people are. Um, the the conversation is shifting. I mean, I mentioned this to Hawk that. Uh, the, the it's actually kind of great that this is being released, that, that Follow the Science is being released right now, because it, it seems like the environment is sort of, the, 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 the ice is kind of thawed right now. And people are going to be, I think, more open and receptive to really um, uh, understanding, I want to say what went wrong, <laughs> but that, that implies mistakes were made and uh, that kind of thing, I, I think, lets some people off the hook. But um, so, yeah, there are those people who are going to try and pretend that uh, nothing, nothing untoward ever happened. And they're going to convince themselves that, you know, everything we did was uh, was meant to save lives. But I think there's a growing contingent of people who are also saying, no, that's that's bullshit. And we need accountability and we don't want atonement. People need to we need to talk about what happened and the harms that have been done. And yeah. Oh, and I was I was just going to say, uh, Hawk, too, and I, I think it, it 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 also helps when you have a group of people who were who stood up against you know the tide and were asking you know the asking the right questions uh, for them, however many years later, to be vindicated. And it's like, no, we're going to take a fucking victory lap, and we're going to remind you of what you did. And you brought up uh, Randy Weingarten, uh, my friend Corey DeAngelis. Uh, is is amazing with her because he he goes at her with receipts just receipt after receipt after receipt it's like no this chick was just trying to keep clo- keep schools closed for for as long as possible so i fe- i feel like you know being right on being right on some things i think well, is is also an energizing force I mean, well, well, and and well, in taking stock of, I mean, I mean, what the show does and what we needs to be done, generally speaking, is like we have to understand what we got right, what we got wrong, where we got lucky, and and then in terms of the historical understanding of it, really understanding what we got wrong, so we don't repeat it again. Because I mean, this was a historically significant time. Then, and we watched our leaders flounder, uh, even though they presented it as a, a noble lie. Like we're like, hey, we need to get people to do stuff, so we're going to bend the truth to what we need it to be. And they, you know, at this point, I don't think any of them really had any idea what was going on, and there was just some sort of. It, 
there was all this talk about like the science presented, like Fauci was like, well, the science now says this. And yet he would never point to anything other than things he specifically paid for. Usually around that month, he'd pay for something. It'd get, hey, hey, show me this. And he'd, he'd report on it. And it was like, there was never like a deep understanding of where this scientific consensus was coming from. And this, this, this sort of wandering messaging, it was just so outrageous. And yet he, he had total carte blanche to kind of, you know, sit there with a straight face and try and tell people that he had the best interest of the citizenry at heart. And I, and I, I don't believe he did. I think, I think it was, I mean, I'm, I'm on, I, it, there were, there are people who certainly should be out of office for what has happened. And I do believe eventually there are those who should be criminally charged for this. Um, and, uh, for, 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 at, for things that happen to people. Um, it's, I mean, you know, we, we talk about the disgrace governor of, of New York who was allowed to, uh, leave in disgrace for, for social reasons, shall we say, rather than for, for his choice of, for, for being Italian. For being a, Italian, for being that's Italian, right. Using that's his right. Hands, Where's his what? papers, sir? Yeah, that's right. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 just crazy that it's it's uh, like people like that were left let off the hook. I mean, there were there were a lot of senior citizens in New York in the New York area who died needlessly because of policies that he hid and knew were wrong, and he'd rather hide them for political reasons rather than rather rather than try and help people. I mean, I guess. I, I, maybe I'm naive where I still like to think that we generally want to help our fellow humans. And, uh, and I don't know, I'm, I'd like to see us get back to some sort of kumbaya moment, but I don't know. I'm just going to make films and try and help people understand what happened. Well, I think on that note, uh, guys, um, uh, thank you so much for being here. We're actually going to go over to my locals, uh, com for an exclusive with Hawk and Clifton. In the meantime, please go over to follow the science series.com and I um, can't wait for, uh, for it to drop. It's going to be great. Um, uh, Hawk, uh, I know you're working on this. You got to get it out. Uh, awesome. Uh, Clifton, uh, how about yourself? Any other, any other projects, anything you want to plug? Uh, well, I just started a new uh, newsletter. Uh, it's called the state of the arts. Um, it's that saucy commentary that deals with the, that lives at the uh, nexus of art, entertainment, culture, and society. Uh, just like my podcast, the Clifton Duncan podcast, which I made easy to remember. And uh, you can find that on my YouTube channel, which is uh, Clifton Duncan. Um, uh, so I'm easy to find. And you can hit me up on Twitter at uh, Clif- at Clifton A. Duncan. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, you know, trying to build the podcast and, uh, and uh, trying to build the newsletter and um, working on other projects as well. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Just stay tuned. Awesome. And I'll, I'll just quickly throw in that uh, Follow the Science was 100% grassroots supported. We raised over a half million dollars uh, from from our from our, our support base. And to, to your viewers, Lou, I mean, if they want to, uh, we're, we're still looking to uh, um, finish up the project. We're paying for our final round of vending and then and our vendors and to, to get it just awesome for our June release. And then we'll be going on to make the series. So if anyone's interested in supporting us, we greatly appreciate it. And we have, couldn't do it with our supporters. So happy to, happy to uh, get more people on the roster and, and keep them informed as to what Follow the Science is up to. Awesome.